And as for the rest of us? Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Commander Burnham. Lieutenant Sayle. You found your way home. As did you. And I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. You say we don't know. We say we don't know. We say... Drag this out! Hello. And a very warm welcome to the season three finale of the Star Trek Review Podcast. Check this out. I'm your captain, Bob, and I'm joined on the bridge by our angsty ship's medic, Dr. Lindsay. Hello. Hello. My number two, Komodo John. Hello. <laughs> I thought I was working on that one. I thought it was brilliant. Um, our, our part cyborg, part human, Vin of Sin, or by a human name, Andrea. Hello. Hello. And our random tag along. Think Neelix or a very, very old and senile Wesley oh. Crusher. It's Sucky. Hiya, Sucky. Oh, I'm an unpopular character. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I love Neelix. Cheers, um, man. I'd kiss him. Uh, on this episode of the podcast, we'll be reviewing the season finale of Star Trek Discovery. That hope is you part two. Having some rena- r- bl- random shenanigans along the way. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's time to execute this spore drive and jump into this. Before we crack on, because it's our, our season finale, as well as Star Trek Discovery's a season three finale, um, so let's have a bit of a, a chat before we move on. Have you got any information or intel for us, Lindsay? Um, so this is possibly more rumour and speculation than real news. Oh, we like um, that. But the lovely Anthony Rapp, uh, who plays uh, Stamets, um, uh, posted on Twitter thanking a variety of directors for allowing him to shadow them during this season. Um, including the great and wonderful Jonathan Frakes, um, as well as a variety of others. Um, so yes, there's lots of chat about whether that might mean we get to see Anthony um, rap it, rap, rap it, uh, directing uh, oh, cool. an episode at some point in the future. Um, I'm not sure how that'll work, because obviously Discovery is A, quite high budget, and B, there's far fewer episodes, there's not really anything throwaway um, anymore, so I'm not sure how they'll find yeah. that transition from acting to directing. Yeah. But hopefully they'll give them an opportunity. It, it'll, need to be, it'll need to be that, you know, that sort of thing that they've done in the past, isn't it? Getting actors to direct, obviously, like you said, they had a lot more time back then, but Discovery's quite tight, but we'll see, that'll be cool. Yeah, that's what the, I think that's what the short tracks should be for, really. She can start doing a few yeah. more of them. That's John. Yeah. John, John for sure, runner. Sack the other one again. Um, right. Sucky, have you got any informations? There's a couple of things I've just seen on a couple of the websites. One of them is Patrick Stewart won uh, Best Actor Award in a science fiction fantasy series for the Critics' Choice Super Awards, which is uh, awards for science fiction and fantasy uh, based uh, t- TV and film shows. Mm. Uh, so he won that. That was on Sunday. So congratulations to Patrick. And also, I don't know if Lindsay picked this up last week or I've just picked it up now. But there's going to be a crowdfunding campaign for a, a Star Trek Voyager uh, documentary, which is uh, going to start on March the 1st. And it's been, uh, I think, spearheaded by Garrett Wang. And uh, they're going to try and put out a documentary. And it's called 
the working title for the film is called A Long Way Home, the Star Trek Voyager nice. documentary. Well, that'd be quite cool. Any more for any more, Sucky? No, I feel it. like A Long Way Home is the title of a, a Disney 70s <laughs> film about a dog that's lost and trying to travel across the country. <laughs> It probably is, John. Homeward yeah. bound. Yeah. I can't Homeward believe bound. You would oh, is that what it was? For the journey. Yes. For the journey. Well, with the, with the with a little cane stick and bandana on the end of it. With yeah, maybe he's got maybe he's got a friendly it. cat that travels with him as well. You know, <laughs> cats are friendly. Into shenanigans. <laughs> Sounds great, that. So a dog and a cat. Wow. Uh, cool. Well, I've got a little bit of uh, intel. So this is season three, the finale, because this is the end of our discovery reviews. Um, we'll be moving into a. Uh, Less rigid. Oh, it's Homeward Bound 2, apparently. There was a second one as well. Sucky just showed me a DVD for people that are listening to this podcast, which is the only way to uh, get into it. Um, so, yeah, we won't be as formal with our weekly rigidity, but uh, the next bits we are doing, we're going to be covering Lower Decks as it's out on Amazon Prime towards the end of January, and then we're going to be reviewing each of the Kelvin Timeline movies, uh, Star Trek, uh, Into Darkness, and Beyond as well. And that'll be us for the next uh, two or three months anyway but we will be dropping in every now and then rather on a rigid weekly basis um anyway i'm going to stick a trailer in for this episode of star trek discovery that hope is you part two uh, and then we'll have a first vibe session let's take back this ship let's go we're gonna have to fight until our last breath federation is done for you must take a leap of faith it's okay to be afraid I want the Federation obliterated. Whatever happens, we are together. Your friends will be dead within the hour. This is what's called a no-win situation. I don't believe in those. I found that trailer erotically exciting. Um, but let's get our first vibes, boys and girls. Um, Sucky, I'll come to you first. What did you? What were your first vibey thoughts on this episode, please? I really, really, really enjoyed it. I was Ooh. so happy. So there's there's loads of things happening in this, uh, and I, I like the storyline that was happening on uh, on the planet with uh, Saru and Sukal and um, Culver. Uh, and I loved everything that was happening on Discovery and uh, the, the where they got the ship back. And I also like the fact that it wasn't uh, like one of the main regulars that sort of saved the day. And it was Alvo that came and uh, mm. did the, the hard Kick work. Ass, didn't she? Yeah, and she did the bit. She did it like, and I, I love that. And I love the end scene where they're all standing there as she's announced as she walks down as a uh, captain. I didn't like the uniforms, but I did quite like the fact that we're all recognising her. Um, what happened with the uh, with the the adventure that they just had? Yeah, no, no, cool. So positive from you, Sucky, uh, Andrea. So I quite enjoyed watching the episode, just kind of as an episode. And I think if you take away that kind of, I feel like there's this sort of intense pressure on a finale to be something like fucking spectacular. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy watching the episode, and I think my feelings of uh, it was okay and a little bit more, met and more sort of a reflection on, on the whole. So I think if I take it as a single episode of Star Trek, I think it was really good. But do I kind of put that additional emphasis on it and say as a sort of season finale, like when you want the spectacular and, and to pull everything together, I, I do have a little bit of a like, mm, it was okay, I, I've got some issues. Um, it certainly wasn't perfect, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... Tepid, I'd say. I'd say tepid, Andrea. Yeah, I think if it, if it wasn't the last episode of the series, I think I would be much more positive. Um, right, I and I don't know if that's fair. 
So mm. I, I'm kind of I'm awkward this week. I think is yeah. lukewarm. Lukewarm, yeah, we've got a we've got a we've got a full episode of a podcast to discuss it to make your mind up, Andrea John. Yeah, I, I, it was a, an action-packed episode. I like what Andrea says about um, if you look at it in terms of as a as a singular episode that you're watching of a of a show. It was it was great. There was tons of uh, tons of action, and as you say, the ending doesn't have to be mega climactic and stuff. And it's sometimes a nice time. To just have a, a sensible rollover to the next season, quite clear, without any drama about what's going to happen, and knowing that what's going to happen is going to be on your screens next season. So, yeah, I'm 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 fairly upbeat about it all. Yeah. I reckon. Excellent, cool, uh, Lindsay. Um, I, I I am really torn. There were bits of it I really enjoyed. There are great moments, but there's a huge chunk of the actual episode itself I have an issue with, and there is. An overarching issue uh, that I I really struggle with. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like like I say, like I did enjoy it as an episode, but there were like particularly when I went back to rewatch, there's like a good chunk in the middle that I just find deeply infuriating. Cool. Um, oh, wow. I can move past it, but like there is this no, particular chunk that's like what, what that, are we doing? That's what we're here for, Lindsay, for opinions and that. Um, I was meh again for the last, for I think, for the third or fourth week in a row. However, what I did do, and I watched it twice, the episode singularly, and then I went back and watched the whole three. And fuck me, what a great finale! And what great pacing, and it all makes sense when you watch them all back to back together on Netflix when they flick on. So you know, like it ends, flick on, flick on, rather than fuck about, fuck, you know. And it was brilliant. It was like a two and a half hour class Star Trek film. Um, so there you go. Yeah, so all the bits that we've been picking out, myself included, about edits and bits like that, watching them back to back, yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board. But as an episode, it didn't blow me away. I had to watch it as the three. The same with the previous, with the two-parter, Terra Firma, as well. Um, cool. Well, it's going to be an interesting podcast, all being well, by the sound of it. Anyway, before we get in deep, uh, it's time to do Discover Me, Discover You. Aha. Discover me, discover you uh-huh. There is nothing else I'd rather do ooh, ooh. Discover me, discover you uh-huh. Let's get to know our host intimately Discover me, discover you uh-huh. If you've not listened to the show before, welcome um, But also, uh, this is a section where um, we ask each of the host questions um, to, to work out a bit more about them. Uh, and I'm doing the questions this week, but what I will say, uh, going forward, we actually have a, a listener that's re- writing some questions for us for our next episode. Mark Cochran has written some, and they are fabulous. Uh, but if anyone wants to have a stab at writing some Discover Me, Discover You aha questions, feel free to send them over, and we will look at them uh, for another episode. Anyway, over to me. Lindsay, are you ready? Hello. Hello. Yes. I know you like to take a nice big book with you to the bathroom for a sneaky read. If you didn't have a book, um, which bathroom cleaning products would you uh, prefer to read? And I'm talking your bleaches, your shower gels, your femfreshes, etc. What's your favourite bathroom sort of product to, to read if you forgot your book? Book. Everyone's well, th- this may be something that you guys are not so familiar with, but in the box that comes, or that uh, the every uh, 
Yeah, so included in every box of tampons, there is a booklet that tells right. you intimate details about how this tampon could, in fact, actually kill you. Um, so wow. Yes, those provide some good, interesting reads about what may or may not go wrong should wow. you forget it's up there. Um, Sounds like so a thriller. You well, Brilliant. you know me, I love a bit of medical angsty drama. <laughs> there's, a recommend for, there's a recommend for you, everyone. The tampon book, it's apparently it's a, it's a gripper. Uh, right, I'm going to come to you first next, okay? Uh, right, Sirim's coming at you like a raging road driller, uh, and he's going to hoof you. How would you defend yourself? Come on, Sucky, he's going to hoof you. You're under pressure. He's coming at you with the hooves. I have no idea how you're going to I'm going to protect myself against him because he's a big bloke. Yes. He's quite dangerous with them hooves. Hooves? Yeah, so... I and don't think I'll just sticking my arms out in the way and helping my arms to get broken instead of my chest. That's the only thing. But I, can't, I, I, I love, love, I love, I love the creativity, Sucky. Nice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what, 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 what am I supposed to do? Flip, pick up a chair and throw it at him, helping he get to. Could work. There you go. Yeah, there There's you go, Sucky. That's it. Put him under a bit of pressure. He responds. Just, just for clarity, um, Doug Jones has confirmed yes. to uh, the, the host of Trek the Cell podcast that he did, in fact, hoof someone in Series 1. Yeah, um, so right. that debate is now closed. It is. It was a side hoof as well, uh, apparently. Semi Patch and Bellum um, is the one. And oh. he does hoof somebody. We do think he hoofs them, like, they're standing behind him and he turns around and, like, hoof. hoofs them. Back yeah. hoof. But I do feel like a sideways hoof is something that he could learn to use to his advantage. I can't believe he lowered himself to answer that question directly to us on Twitter. It's amazing. Thank you very well, one much. Of our lovely host, uh, one of our lovely listeners asked us. Oh, uh, asked, wicked. Uh, Deb. Not, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well done, Deb. That was that was chuffed. That was really good, that. Um, brilliant. It's okay, so chair, like, open your arms, give him a hug kind of thing. You don't have a clue, do you? Oh, but when you were put under no a bit idea. of pressure, you responded. I've never really been in a situation with a Kelpian trying to attack me. Well, exactly, but what if you were? That's the point of the question. Well, Andrea, then in that case, I'll just put you in the way. Hopefully, you'll get the brunt of it, and I'll just run away. I'll take the hoof that's, for you, okay? Because I love you. Yeah, take. I'll take the hoof for you. Andrea, I'll come to you next. Uh, you find out that Linus has been out milk bobbing. Uh, you being an honourable member of the crew, uh, and this being a crime, you're inclined to report him to the captain, Saru, uh, in this case. However... Uh, he managed to score the king of all milks, the gold top, and a no. bottle of fresh orange. He did. He did. Linus is prepared to share his spoils with you in exchange for your silence. What would you do, Andrea? What would you do? Gold top, orange, the greatest of all the bottles that you would bob upon a milk round. I'm curious what doorsteps he's been charming it off. There aren't many doorsteps in space. Yeah, I didn't, didn't um, think that through, really, did I? But, um, but yeah, just imagine there is. <laughs> I'm not sure like a milk float would, would fare too well like going a through space milk float well it would be um, flying wouldn't it so exactly John thank you thank you I don't know if he chucks in a bottle of orange juice and a bag of chips from the chippy I, I might be yeah. sort of tempted so a bag of chips and a gold top imagine imagine that settling on your stomach it'd be beautiful wouldn't it that no could... I, 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 I'll have to nick as a pint of orange juice from oh. someone else's step so that's an interesting milk flat that also provides bags of chips. Well, well, it, there's, a, there's a story behind that because uh, my brother was um, exiled from the family home for a short period, um, and he, in in a sort of act of protest more than anything else, lived in a tent on the green. 
Um, so his main sustenance was via um, the chip shop and making <laughs> orange juice off people's steps. So what a, a special sort of place in my heart and, and sort of mm. in the, the sort of rich tapestry of my life. <laughs> um, That's classic tradition. I'm literally jealous of that. That's is that mental that I'm jealous of it, just living on a green, eating chips and drinking orange and drinking orange juice. It sounds like a brilliant life. Bless him. Um so chips and orange juice, Andrea. Awesome. Well actually he would go to the chip shop and say he had no money because he was homeless. And could oh. he have some like a bag of scrapings, which right. people might call something else. Um <laughs> I think people call them scraps, scraps. and whatnot. That's um, the one. to make the lady in the chip shop feel sorry for him so he could have some chips as well for free. So there you go. Oh, that's class. Well, it's not. I don't know if it is class or not. I just got in the, uh, this sort of this dream thing in my head of a green and chips and orange juice. It sounded quite nice. John, finally. Uh, and Linus mm-hmm. continues um, his ter- terribleness. Um, he's had one too many Disseranos uh, and he's mistook the spore drive. Uh, ca- uh, he's, he's mistook the spore drive for a cubicle, th- cubicle of Thunderbox. Um it's an absolute mess in there, um, and both body solids and flu- fluids are leaking into the system, which will cause destruction to the ship. Who would you get to help remedy the situation, and why then? Basically, well, Gladys feel- stick a shit in the spore drive. I feel like Craig, the guy who's who's mopping up on the uh, oh. discovery might be the fella to pick. Gene. But- well, now that I'm now that we're in the starter universe, I might as well just pick Q to sort it out. Just sort easy. it out. Gone, wouldn't it? He makes life too easy yeah. that Q. He does. Um, brilliant. Okay. Well, that's lovely. I hope everyone's learnt something, including us. Um, anyway, let's get on with this review. You're listening to the Star Trek podcast. Check this out, and we are reviewing the Star Trek Discovery season finale. Uh, that hope is you, part two, and it's been a varied kind of opinion-y kind of thing. Um, that is a sentence, apparently. Uh, oh, go on, Lindsay. You had some. You had a big piece to say, so let's, let's get into it. Uh, so I'm going to caveat this with the fact that like there is lots I do enjoy, and we will absolutely cover that. Um, but for me, there is a big chunk um, when... Um, the bit where Michael and Book... Like do the thing with the turbo lift. The A lets us see the utter waste of space inside that ship, um, and feels a little bit like Monsters Inc. when they're all like running around on like doors and weird things and stuff going on, and where she somehow, Osira thinks that pushing her into the core, like the computer core, is gonna kill her, but then it doesn't. Like that whole bit just feels really dodged to me <laughs> like that whole bit i was like what 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 is this so yeah. what you're thinking no well i agree with uh lindsay about the pushing her into the data core because that just didn't i just didn't understand how i sort of thought that was going to kill her if she could just pull herself back out like she did but the whole jeffrey's tube that was i i, I didn't mind that as much but when you when you've seen it on the screen, it looks really great. You know, you've seen all the tubes going past, the actions going on, uh, and it looks looks a good big spectacle on the screen. Uh, but as people have said in the comments, how big is? As Lindsay says as well, how big? How much space is there for these shuttles, these uh, uh, lifts to be going in and out, or whatever they're going along the ship? Mm. Go on, Andrea. I was going to say I have written down the Monsters Inc. Turbo lifts. Um, and I've tried to reconcile this, the fact if they just went up and down, 
right? It's potentially a bloody long walk from where you get off to where you need to be, which isn't really conducive to life or death situations. And is it any stupider than like people like dematerializing and then rematerializing like like hundreds of thousands of miles away? Is it any more stupid, really? Like, can I live with it? And I've decided, yes, I can live with it. I I, I I might be wrong in this, but haven't we seen episodes of Star Trek in the past where they go out of the turbo lifts and climb up a shaft? Yeah. In Discovery, yeah, I think we have. So, no, like not yeah. in Discovery, but in other episodes, there have oh, been yeah, actual, yeah, yeah. or much more. But my understanding is that there's no real expectation that turbo lifts do anything other than up or down. In no, they do side to side. No, no, they do side to side. Yeah, you side to side, up and down. Well, must do in order to but it's had like, a refit. It's had a refit yeah, discovery. That's it. Yeah, it has had a refit. They've had, so. they've had a refit, oh, and you can maybe. tell some of the stuff as well is when uh, Book is tra- oh, I think no, Michael's traveling along, and then the the squares suddenly appear as she's going along. Right. So, I, and I think that's what made it feel very monsters like to me. There was lots of like things flicking in and out. Oh yeah, like, it definitely was. It, just, it definitely reminded me of something else, like maybe Star Wars films yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I think like for me, it just like it was. It's a great place to have a fight scene. Yeah. Like, mm. like that was kind of the only reason to have it. In the same way that the computer core, like, it was a great place to have a fight scene. And like well, this image of Michael getting pushed in and then coming back out of the core was really dramatic. But it just doesn't, like, it just doesn't make any sense. It would have been nice if we'd have been introduced to the data core at least sometime earlier in the season, just to reassure everybody that there is a data core, for instance, and that's what it looks like. That would have made a little bit of sense. <laughs> Would do, Andrea. I was just going to say, it is worth noting that elsewhere in, in the, the wider circle of fandom, we all cope with a police box with a swimming pool in it. So. <laughs> yeah, but Doctor Who's very all... loose with science, um, and Star Trek is apparently very reliable on future sciences. Um, no, no. So, no, it's not. It's okay. No, but it, but it also doesn't operate on the principle. Like, the, the thing with the TARDIS is that, like, that's the whole point. It's bigger on the inside. Like, that, the whole concept is about the fact that we know it doesn't work, whereas with these ships, mm. historically, we've had schematics. Like, they they yeah. are, like, they are what they technology. Are. Um, talking okay. of bigger on the inside, Sucky's bowels. Go on, Sucky. Thanks, man. Now, well, I'm just thinking someone else that he just suddenly reminded me of when Andrew mentioned uh, the police box was Gridlock, uh, David Tennant's yes. story, where they're jumping yeah, yeah, yeah. from cart to cart. So that's uh, the other thing that suddenly yeah. popped into my head. Uh, cool, this is a Star Trek podcast. Uh, <laughs> just, just, just yeah, that. but it's, it's a Star Trek podcast that has several Doctor Who fans on it. So I've, I've, never, I've never, even heard, never even heard of Doctor Who. Um, uh, so, anyone else? Go on, chip in. Says wearing Doctor Who t-shirt. Uh, well, yes, I'm surrounded by different sizes of TARDIS and have a TARDIS mug. That's, this is for the listeners because I'm telling you what I'm doing. I've got my tea in a TARDIS mug. Um, cool. Well, for my two penneth, watching it all back to back, it actually has quite a good pacing and good threads. So you've got all the action, the sort of proper trying to be cinematic, diehardy kind of action and stuff like that. You've got weird, awesome, trippy thing going on on the the hollow, uh, on the ship or whatever. Uh, it's quite emotive. You've got quite a lot of emotive elements going through it with all the cast. It's quite a big ensemble piece when you watch it as a two and a half hour thing. Um, yeah, it really it changed my mind quite dramatically um, on my meh, meh, meh the last few weeks. Um, so I'm struggling to review it as a, as a sort of standalone, really. Um, so I'm going to come over to Andrea. 
I'm going to get me complaints out the way because yes. I think if we complain at the start, then we can be more positive later on. Right. Can someone explain why the, the, the sort of the Vulcan slash Romulans turned up from Navarre and did absolutely fucking <laughs> nothing? Like they were just like pierced spaceships that were there. And to be honest, they turned up, but I'm still none the wiser as to why they felt responsible for the burn or felt the need to do a big cover up job or left the Federation. It just. Uh, have I missed something? Is like this is just like random, like packed on side plot that makes absolutely no sense in the context of what happened in the finale? It reminded me of Picard in that, like, they do like a good cavalry charge of spaceships turning up out of nowhere, and I think Navarre was planned there, but it was it was lazy as fuck. To be fair, it made no sense. You get a two second space battle with them, then fuck all. Yeah, I mean it. Yeah, I what, see, is what was the point of that? Is it like one of them things where when you're like, you know, when you're going for a fight and you take all your mates to look harder? Maybe it was just like a visual thing. It's okay. No, what I'm thinking is, because it was sort of signposted earlier on in the previous episode, in that the way she worded her, her request yeah. to uh, to uh, the bar. She, a mother. She, talk, yeah, t- she targeted a mother who's in the, uh, the sisterhood. And they they only go for, for lost causes. And the way she says it, I might not survive this. I might. It's a lost oh, cause. It's right. probably only the Good sisterhood. Okay. Yeah. It's only the sisterhood that's probably turned up from Nivar, right, to help them, right, and maybe some some other people from Vulcan. Vul- uh, you're a clever wizard, man, aren't you, uh, Lindsay? So I had uh, two thousand one. It is only mildly almost saved by the fact that they clearly create a fleet with Voyager at the the head. So therefore, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm very attached to the name, it turns out. Are you? Oh, yeah, yeah um, whatevs. Whatevs. Voyager J, man. Voyager J. Um, but I also have a question about how far away is Navarre? Because all of this happens within about a 40, like within a 36 hour thing. Yeah, it's about an hour and, like, and a half. And the whole point is Navarre is like super far away from the Federation Age. No, it's, it's about an hour, hour and a half away, like everywhere in this country from York. <laughs> Apparently, when I'm going to a They might have had patrols in the area, though, wouldn't they? They might have had. But they sent a whole fleet. Like, if there had been, like, a ship yeah. in the area, I would have got. But the idea that they've managed to send a fleet made me like. There's, very little, there's very little they can use to defend that decision to put that in, to be fair. I think. I wonder, I wonder if some of it ended up on the cutting room floor. Like, it feels oh, yeah. to me like there was more stuff there that. You kind of think that, even if it had just been a little, like, it's a bit cliche, but even if she just kind of popped up on a view screen at some point to mention, like, yeah. lost causes, like that, like, Michael's mum would have kind of, like, chipped in. <coughs> and even though it's a bit cheesy, it would have seemed a bit neater, and at least you could kind of tie that up and say, well, well, she's shouted, Mum, I need some help, and, and as mum's do, she's turned up. But it just seemed a bit like, like, why are they even there? Like, like they just kind of like splat appeared, and I still do not understand why they left the Federation or like, I don't feel any of that's been explained. And I don't think it's going to be. I think that thread's died now. So it, it it kind of felt like a massive plot point just to kind of get Michael Burnham's mum to to rock up in the plot. Yeah, so he looks um, like he's a, a cupping a massive breast. <laughs> Go on, Suki, what, you, what, what have you got a piece to set an invisible massive tit? I don't know what to say to that, you uh, Right. <laughs> I'm brilliant. Suki, call me a band. Um, Remember that? Shush. Right. Uh, um, now, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, yeah. There the probably might have been extra scenes because they did have the Trill president and the Navarre person and both turned up at the end. I just wondered if there were added scenes with those two 
uh, already filmed, but then decided for convenience sake, they just left left it on the cutting floor. I mean, I do think that, that a lot of the previous episodes have been suffering from editing weirdness. And I think what they've done is perhaps not be, had to been forced to either cut short the amount of stuff they needed to sort of cut everything down to make it fit 13 episodes, or they've had 12 and a half episodes and elongated it at various places. But what it is, what it is, we're seeing the result of all those editing decisions, and that's why we get a little monologue at the end and a. Mm. And, uh, yes. and this happened, and this happened, and that happened. <laughs> Did you not see? Lindsay? So I will touch on that monologue in just a wee second. Um, but what I was going to say is, speaking of unnecessary things, why, like, I know it's good, I know, I know it's good Star Trek tradition, and I love a good warp core blowing up, but if you're jumping out of the middle of the ship, why bother blowing up your warp core? Like, there was literally no need for them to blow up their warp core. Well, because the, the action and that, isn't to it? To destroy the ship. And destroy the yeah, ship, but, yeah. but if they were jumping out from the middle of the ship, they didn't need to destroy it. Yeah, but yeah, they had to destroy it because that's where the bad guys were and they'd been chasing them otherwise, wouldn't they? Yeah, but they had a spore drive. So, like, they could chase them. That's the whole point of having a spore drive. Mm. Like, you could but they didn't, though. Stamets was, was on the station. They didn't really know Book could do that at that point, really. They were just Well, they did, of... though, because they literally, like, yeah. sent yeah, out yeah, the yeah, board and they went, Book, Book, you better jump, Book, you better jump. Yeah, I know. You can. Yeah, but, Lindsay, uh, Lindsay, yeah, Lindsay's got a point. She has got a point. Yeah, she, has, yeah, she point. has. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, why would you leave the bad guys there unmolested? Because they're the bad guys, and they're going to continue to be the bad guys. You got to molest the bad it's guys, Lindsay. Is it like blowing up the bad guys on your way out? Molesting them. And yeah. then, and then, how did the uh, did the discovery warp away at the end? As well, no. did we see? No, or was what? that after? That no, obviously no, been no. refitted. So, so the other area of frustration I have and it is fairly spectacular is that um, <laughs> they, they save uh, they get to the um, spectacular area of frustration so they get to the nebula they save in a perfectly timed classic Star Trek fashion through and Sukal and Hugh and uh, Adira um, and then we just get like a fluff and then we get a monologue singing. Yeah. And so for me, there are, there are two real things about the wrap-up that make me really frustrated. There is no cost and no consequences to any of this. Like, nobody pays a price. There isn't... There is nothing. Like, there is oh, no... The only is, thing... The only angsty kind of thing we do get out of it is Stamets is slightly miffed at Michael. And that's but we it. Do get, uh, he, and, yeah, but all we get is the wrap-up from Michael's point of view. Yeah, and I understand... Yeah, yeah. She is, you know, they they have highlighted her as the primary character. We do often get these things being wrapped up with a like a with a captain's whatever uh, voiceover, mm. um, but it just it just felt like what I don't well, I, I want I want the human Stamets reunion where <clears throat> like Stamets has been stuck on this um, like uh, civilian vessel being sent away. Like I want that. I want I want their stories. I don't want. <laughs> Burnham talking about her interpretation of their stories. Well, like, I think I think with all that, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, Burnham became captain, and you know what? I was sort of thinking about this, and but I'll come into that a bit later. Is the fact that she got the catchphrase wrong at the end? She should have said mm, "loving it" because they look like they're dressed like a space McDonald's workers, <laughs> don't they? They need them new uniforms look like McDonald's side view. They do, um, and also they? like it looks a bit Galaxy Questy and a bit like. Really? Uh, the other one that, that everyone likes with um, Seth MacFarlane. 
What's it called? That well, I the Orville. The Orville, the what I actually watched. It's really good. It looks a bit more like that, Andrea. I've put that they look like the brownies if they were in the Eastern Bloc in the 1950s. <laughs> um, True fact. It did look very SS, I thought. It did, didn't it? I don't, I'm not I'm a fan. I'm just going to say, Grey Pleather is not the way forward, Gersha. Like, we love you and you have done some excellent work, but I, I just am not loving these uniforms. I think I think we're we're supposed to accept that a thousand years down the line, fashions maybe aren't the same as they are now. Fashions. I remember. Sorry, fucking... what? <laughs> fashion. Sorry, John. I misheard. You. I remember. Yeah. I mean, you know, bell bottoms might come back by that time. You never know. Yeah. You know what? They remind they remind me of the Babylon Five uniforms. Oh, good shout, yeah. Sophie. And a bit, shout, and, yeah, because yeah, it's that naval. It's the naval kind of thing, isn't it? Battlestar Galactic kind of thing as well. Thinking about it. Um, cool. So yeah, Burnham became captain now. First watch, I was like, "Oh fucking hell, bro!" Uh, but I've sort of thought about it as her journey for three seasons um, of becoming a captain, um, and whether they've written it well or not, or edited it badly or whatever. The fact that she has had to sort of go from mutineer, you know, potentially captain material to mutineer, and all this massive journey she's done, as well, especially in season three. Like I say, they maybe haven't written it perfectly well, but there's been that journey there for her to become captain because she's ready now. So that's the way I sort of rationalised it. I quite like that. Andrea? I'm just going to say, I've written Musical Captain's Chairs Commences Again. Um, and if you think in three seasons, like as as captains, we, we started off seeing Giorgio as captain, dead. Um, Lorca, we saw as a captain, and we know how that turned out. Pike, least said about that, the better. Um, Saru's clearly like kind of had the chair for a little while and has, has gone off on a on garden leave, basically. Um, Burnham's in the seat now. Um, who's next? Um, and I know in the past we've kind of had that static crew where, where nobody gets promoted and stuff like that. And I, I know that like sort of journey element. Um, but I feel like it's Captain's catchphrase of the week. Um, and it's kind of playing on that trope that you got with Kirk in the films where like he's an admiral and then he gets demoted to captain and then he goes back to admiral and he bounces back <laughs> to captain. But it, it feels a bit like they knock her down just so she can kind of spring back up immediately. And I'm not sure that's equal to character development. I, I'm really not. Yeah. Lindsay, I feel like you, you've probably got some fiery words about this. <laughs> You know what? On some levels, I've just kind of accepted it. And to be fair, when we get to the very end and we do see her in the captain's chair and she's like, they're they're warping out or wherever it is they're doing to to go out into new worlds. I'm actually quite excited about season four. Like, I don't, I do not hate the character. I don't hate, like, that. I'm quite excited about that as a concept. But I am deeply frustrated by the route that's taken us there, and I am deeply frustrated by that moment when they're on the bridge until he just automatically hands over the reins back to Michael. She also like has been through quite an ordeal, though, to be fair to her, and she's she an ensign and quite but, an experienced but, but person. But Michael has literally just been, like, decommissioned effect. Like, her, Michael was taken off the bridge crew because she couldn't be trusted to behave properly. And Tilly, who has absolutely delivered on her responsibilities, then goes, no, nah, you, Michael, you do it, it's fine. Like, I just... it. it I don't, I don't think that's how it should be. I think Andrea's touched it before. She's basically Captain Kirk. And I think that's what we're going to get is a female Captain Kirk kind of. Maybe that's fine, but I hate Kirk too. And I know maybe you that's do. my frustration oh. here. Like I, I, my issue is not that it's a woman doing Kirk. My issue is that I don't like Kirk. Oh, well, there we go then. You heard it here first, listeners. It's so okay. Particularly, we're going to be clear, particularly Shatner's interpretation of Kirk. Oh, horse semen. Uh, it's okay. No, <laughs> I, I, I agree with Linz with that whole thing with Tilly. Just giving her responsibilities to Michael at that scene just didn't ring true 
Tilly has acted brilliantly in that situation that she's been in. You know, she's guided her bridge crew, she's commanded them, she's told them what's going to happen. She's, uh, you know, and she's done it to the best of her abilities. She comes onto the bridge. It's a thing that even Tilly could do. All she's got to say is, book it, go onto the, into the spore drive, uh, drop the warp, warp core, and then just fly us out of here. That's something that Tilly could do and still, you know, still be in command. But for some reason, why she gave it over to Michael, I just did not get it at all. I understand that, Lynn. Well, so, so just to, just to add, like I think, like we just need to accept that and move on because it's a thing that happened. But I also have a question about, um, so Michael and Booker and Aurelio seem to have had at some point a conversation that none of us have had any sight of, whereby there has been a conversation about what he might or might not be able to do with the spore drive. Because they, they clearly know what that answer is. That wasn't Aurelio going, oh, actually. Yeah, like that bit. I was like, I don't understand that either. John? Well, I, I wanted my say on the captain thing. Oh, no, sorry, we're moving on. We, we've, moved, we've moved past that, have we? No, no you, we, like come, we come back. You, I'll tell you what, you have your say on the captain, then we'll move to a segment. Like you, like you Bob, uh, when I watched it the first time, it was all a bit... A bit mm. Mm. It's not as if it was unexpected, but, I mean, I read a, an interview with Michelle Paradise... Uh, and she said it basically is about Burnham's journey. And then when I did my rewatch, I just thought, right, put that sit back of your head for a bit, and mm. then just see. Yeah, it is her journey. Whether it and, and it is a rocky road because it's written pretty pretty shittily yes. in quite a few places. But putting that to the side, we see. A, uh, we got to the point where we've got like this is what the stuff that Kirk was doing before he started mm. TOS or whatever, and that's the position we're at now. So. When we go forward, I think it might be a little bit more episodic, and I'm kind of looking forward to that as a result of like yeah, and with, with, with a sort of stable captain thing going on, and, a, and, a, and an actual mission. And I think as a captain as well, there'll be about. share. There'll be share. I think you'll see more of the crews we have started to as well, which would be nice. Sorry, like, I think no, no. I was just going to say though that like, and and this is what has always frustrated me about Kirk, and it's maybe worth. Like acknowledging again that he is not where I started, so he is not how I think of Starfleet, I suppose. Um, but like the admiral's busy going, oh yeah, my daughter, she does her own thing, and I realised that you've just done your own thing, and I'm like, that's not how military organisations or pseudo military organisations work. You can't just have officers who do their own thing. I, like, I tell you what, to quote Owo, I love you all, which I don't think is a military thing either, really. Yeah. Yeah, but like, they're, they're not military. It's an emotional thing. This thing. Yeah. And you have family, to have changed your plans because otherwise it doesn't shoving work. Shoving family down your throat. Or, I mean, just like any leader knows how to how to speak to their like how to get the most out of people. That's probably what he was doing. Yeah, loving. She wanted to hear that sort of bullshit. You can, She'd you been can living reel, on that crap yeah, for years. And you can reel with love, Andrea. I was I was just going to say we kind of kind of picked up on it a little bit. I, I felt that kind of whole thing, the way that that kind of very end scene played out. This whole series is kind of maybe not stylistically, but there's lots of nods to sort of TOS and and that kind of. But even so, like because obviously watching it in the house, like I kind of got maybe where they were coming from from that. But to the kind of non-trekkie in the room, they were like, "Well, that was just random. Why did why did they use that music there?" Um, but I'm wondering, are they signalling that kind of move to something which is is a little bit more in tune with that? And, and I sort of I started writing down that strange new worlds idea, and I thought actually they're doing that somewhere else. So I think I've maybe gone off. I, I don't know if it's a little nod to that or or where they were kind of going with that. But I can see why someone found that quite random at the end. 
Um, and TOS I don't know music anyone... in particular. I just don't understand. Yeah. Like I've written, I've literally written in giant capitals why the TOS music. This makes no sense. Like when Enterprise had just arrived, it made perfect sense. Well, like, would it be a better sense of the voyage thing to have played? No. Well, exactly. yeah. No, sorry. Like I would have though, because it wouldn't have made any sense. <laughs> it would have made no sense. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what's going to do. Whooped in to save the day at the end of the episode, then that might have made sense. Because in the same way it did in season one, when the Enterprise had just appeared. And you're like, oh, it's the Enterprise for the first time in New Trek. And we got the Enterprise theme, and that made sense. But why would you put the Enterprise theme, like the original series theme, at the end of a, a Discovery it, season? It was a, it's it's a just, nice touch. Yeah, it's a nice touch. It's just a nice touch. It's a nice touch. I mean, they're not trying to assuage your well, they had that quote. ideas about what you expect. Yeah. <laughs> they, had that, they, had that, they had that quote at the end from Gene Roddenberry. And then they had I have no issue with because Gene Roddenberry, is, is, whether we like him or love him, he's at the heart of Trek. Yeah. The actual theme. Like, I, do, I just That's don't understand. That's the Trek. Yeah. I tell you what. I tell you what. I tell you what. I don't think it's mad. I think what would have been mad if they played Teletubbies at the end. Um, right. Anyway, it's time for a segment. It's time for fact trek yourself. Fact trek yourself. John. It's your turn yeah. to fact-check yourself. And for those that don't know, basically, John's going to give us three statements. We have to guess which one is wrong. It's a game you would have heard before, but it can be fun. John, hit us with your statements and facts. Well, since you asked me to do this literally half an hour ago, um, these three facts aren't that impressive. <laughs> Good. They don't show me in a great light, I have to be honest. Um, oh, even better. Number one, I was once stopped speeding on the A1 for 118 miles an hour. Wait, wait. You've we've done this one. You've done this. Oh, fuck. You were, you were stopped. Um, and, right. uh, yeah, and you beat right, away I'll with it because you I'll knew. think of a third one magically, all right? Like, the first one is, <laughs> all right, then. I, I mean, I successfully smuggled three friends into Glastonbury Festival in 1995. Oh, that's a good one, John. Okay. Second one is, I have been conducted by, in an orchestra, by Anthony Hopkins. Oh, that's cool. And a third one... Um, I have played twice on the South Bank uh, at London in the Royal Festival Hall and the Queen Elizabeth II Hall. Oh, that's quite detailed, but the number twice, quite specific. Okay. Right, I've been to Glastonbury twice, probably eight years and ten years after that, and you couldn't have smuggled a turd in there. <laughs> the lawless days of the mid nineties. It was lawless in the nineties. Thinking ten years before that, it was probably a little bit less like. So it, I'm wondering if that's possible. Because certainly when I was there, I don't think you could do that. So I, I'm dubious. Well, I, I'm more dubious about the fact that he smuggled three friends in. I'm more convinced by the idea that there was like a group of four of them. And one of them didn't have a ticket. Like they managed to smuggle one person in. Well, they're dressed as like you know, like a pantomime horse or two pantomime horses and and, and rat man. Yeah, they dressed as sheep and then stood on each other's shoulders and put a giant cloak on. Could have worked. Do you um, think that he's been directed by somebody other than? Anthony I was going to say that's okay. I was going to say I reckon it's that's a true one, but not Anthony Hopkins. It's probably I don't know someone else that's not Anthony well, Hopkins. I think the problem is like. I, I'm certain John has been conducted by any number of recognisable names. Yeah. Um, 
But why would you pick Anthony Hopkins out of all That's of them? True. The third, like, the I, third one. I think the third one is like there's a number or one of the venues is the one that's the wrong one. I don't know. What do you guys think is going to be the wrong one? I think it's Glastonbury. I think he reckon. I reckon he's probably only smuggled two people in instead of three or something, right. something like that. It's just the numbers changed. Lindsay, what are you thinking? I'm going to go with Glastonbury too. Andrea. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking the same. Mm, Glastonbury is then. You're all right. Oh, hey, so you didn't? Well, did you smuggle anyone in? I smuggled three people into the parking thing. We had to show our tickets to get in, <laughs> uh, but. And then we parked up, and then they had to find their own fucking way, and they found a hole in a fence somewhere. Right, all right, cool. Uh, yeah. Midnight, so you could find holes in fences back then. Uh, so Anthony Hopkins conducted you, John. Pray tell. He did. He did. He's not the Anthony Hopkins you know. Oh, oh there we go. <laughs> <laughs> it was, this was, this is for the Northern uh, School proms, and it was uh, the last night of the proms, doing oh, Land yeah. of Hope and Glory, all that bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he conducted us, and he's quite he's quite a famous uh, conductor from back in the day, I think. Cool. I can find him on the internet if I need to, but you know, that's still cool. But there you go. Um, and the third the third one was quite so that was quite an impressive one again. Oh, uh, Royal Festival Hall and Queen Elizabeth II Hall. We did um, like competitions there, and we played like William Tell Overture there for a competition. And we did Fair another impression. concert there. Most of my competitions were in like other high school halls. Yeah. Oh yeah, this was like the final of a massive like like this we were like representing like the northeast or something. We'd spammed our way through somehow. Yeah. Was shit. That's amazing. <laughs> the the only the only competition competition I've ever won was when I was about thirteen at Brompton Carnival and I fell off the back of a float that my dad was driving pissed and I put the glasses over my long hair and I won a five as cousin it. Um I didn't even mean to uh, so I accidentally won a competition. Right, lovely. Thank you very much, John. Um, let's get back into this review. Uh, you're listening to the Star Trek Review podcast. Trek this out, and we are reviewing the finale of uh, season three of Star Trek Discovery uh, episode. That hope is you, part two. Um, it's been whoa, got, got a bit feisty before the break. Sucky, I'm going to come to you to kick us off again. Uh, yeah. So I like the fact that oh well. Oh well, took the uh, the lead. Basically, she was the the heroine mm, of the story. Uh, in that, she's the one that did all the. Uh, and it wasn't like one of the main regulars. It wasn't Tilly that put the uh, the 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 bomb in the uh, the nacelles uh, thing. It was Oh well, and I, I quite like the. I just don't understand the the dot twenty threes. They came the sphere data came and helped, but they seem to be all destroyed. Yet there's suddenly one appears to rescue Oh well. So no, I don't know what I that mean, was. I mean, I, I guess we didn't see all the dots. Uh, I, I think we probably saw. I think all the dots were around around the ship places. You know. I was going to say, oh, yeah, the, tra- okay. the transfer of data between each one when they got probably got killed or whatever. I yeah, it was just yeah. like it was like drones. Okay, but the other thing is, well, then why was that dot twenty three dying? Like it was like a, radiation. Uh, it would yeah, but then why wasn't the magnetic well, stuff? Yeah, the magnetic the, the, stuff. The, the magnetic stuff for the nacelles. Yeah. It did cover it. Uh, would destroy the dot twenty threes. That's why they had to go in person and do it as a human. Oh, oh right. Okay, I missed all that. Yeah, and to be fair, arguably they're all going to do it. Wasn't the most sensible decision because if you've got limited oxygen, you send like two people and go and do a thing. Yeah. But yes, it allowed for great group dynamics. It did indeed, Andrea. 
I'm curious why the kind of the robot had like a bit of a like death gurgle, like it was run out of breath. It's like it's a machine. It was like it was like Pop Butcher's death on EastEnders. It was like <laughs> it's like grudge, it's like grudges Just meowing. Please. Oh, grudge! She's a queen. Right. While we're talking about grudge, can we talk about the fact that we've got no resolution on grudge at all? Well, we don't, season I don't think they really. I'm not sure that there's actually a story there. No, we, I know. We, I think that might think. be us projecting. We want yes. a story there. We're we, not getting one. And we were we were predict, predicting last week that it was a shapeshifter and it was the president of the galaxy or but, something ridiculous but, like that. To be <laughs> fair, we've seen lots of series change direction just because of fan reaction to things like. And I think this will be a, a case of next season we might get, she might be made, that might be some story. Mm. Because everybody loves Grudge, because it's a cat on telly. Like. That cat on telly. To be fair, she is a very fluffy cat. She's just a fucking cat. cat. It's just a fucking Aye. cat. She'd make, she'd make a good shoe bench. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. What? I don't know. Um, Andrea? Um, shall we have some positives? Yes, I would like positives. some positives, please. Um, I think Doug Jones was did a fabulous job, yes. um, as he Our kind friend. of always does. Um, and, and I think it's kind of testament to that kind of performance, because Saru at the start was like, it took me a while to warm to him, and I'm thinking, oh, like, I really want Saru to be captain. I'm, I'm quite sad that he's not. Um, but I did think it was it was it was quite a, a good storyline, and I, and I think out of all of the characters, I know that there's a lot of talk about kind of Michael's journey, but actually I think he's had one of the most consistent and and almost like believable arcs mm. out of everybody, um, and and you've kind of seen his journey kind of play out, and it, I don't think it's been it's been brilliant. Like no. he look, he is a journey. This person's on a journey. This person's on a journey. Um, it, it's just kind of happened um, as we've gone through the three seasons. Um, and similarly, I think Wilson Cruz um, has yes. been possibly almost underrated as the series has gone on. And I'm pleased he's got to do mm. more and and kind of be, been quite involved in things and, and kind of gone on missions. And we've seen more of him. Um, and actually, I, I think that conversation between Cobra and Gray um, about being seen felt really kind of heartfelt it felt like a real conversation it felt like it kind of stepped beyond acting um, and I know there's going to be some bitches online complaining about it or whatever um, <laughs> yes. but actually I've also seen people online who've kind of said how much of a, an impact that's had on them and how much that means to them um, yeah. and I think that's important because it fit in with the story but it's actually done another thing which I think was really nice and I think Lindsay wants to uh, to chime in on this one yeah, no, I, I'll dump back for just a wee second just to say that I think, like, as much as I was totally convinced that Saru and Sukal were going to die at one point, um, and I was like, oh, Saru! Like, he's like, no, you won't be alone, I'll be there with you. The way that they've done it, I think, is quite nice, and what I hope we see is Saru coming back as an ambassador, as a, like, a because uh, we know that he was in, he, he had some experience in the diplomacy kind of field, so I'd quite like to see him coming back as, like, a tertiary part of the Discovery crew rather than him having to come back and be like Michael's second in command or something because I think that would be weird but it would be good to have him back as a series regular I could see him as like a Spock figure a later, like a later Spock figure coming back as like you say like an ambassador and wise and they look up to him for his knowledge and stuff like that oh yeah and I think hopefully that would be a nice way to do it without it feeling like he has been demoted or over oh no way he's he's he's, he's found no. he's, he's he's elevated now he's i think he's spiritually elevated as well it's okay 
I was just going to say, Doug Jones is confirmed as a series regular for next season. So he isn't going to be bumped down to a recurring character like some of the others have been. So, yeah, so he, as, as you guys think, I don't think he'll come back as a captain. He'll probably come back as some sort of role where uh, he's probably a liaison, liaison between the Federation and the planets because mm. right? he'll be able to communicate better than probably Michael in a military mind. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, and I think that's great. In, in terms of, I think, um, Wilson Cruz was incredible in this episode. I think the work that um, he and Blue Del Barrio and, um, oh, that's awful. Ian Alexander. Ian Alexander did, was just spectacular. I think combination there is really lovely, and I think it's opened up some really nice doors, because there was a bit of me that was going, well, if Boot can drive the spore drive, what's the point of having Stamets? Like, how does this work? Because... Like Stamets is a he's a mycelial a mycelial mycelial scientist like mutant yeah like he yeah well no no but but his specialty is 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 in that so therefore like if they just make him like a generic scientist that's going to be a bit of an odd no but they need they need a bit more they need they can't just have Stamets and it's great that Book has been discovered as another pilot yeah yeah but I think it's it's going to become an interesting kind of balance as to to where those people in the crew sit and and and. You know which of them are going to be based on discovery because it all becomes quite, quite 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 complicated. I think at that stage, but they've they've clearly set out. I think which is which, an, a new plot arc of there is going to be some degree of work, um, possibly in the holographic field, given what we've just experienced about trying to kind of um, give Grey a physical presence in the world, um, and that takes us back to the EMH and all sorts of other interesting things that we've seen. Really, uh, Andrea, then Sucky. I was just going to say. Um... Stamets has kind of been tied to the ship because he is the only person who can do that um, and you don't send the only person who can help you to fly away from danger um, anywhere else really so I'm hoping that's going to free him up to kind of be able to be seen outside of that room because he, he's very much you never see him on the bridge he, he's kind of trapped in that set and and I would quite like him to to be able to do what Culber's done this season, which is actually yeah. go on missions and, and do other things. So I'm quite hopeful we're, we're going to get some of that as well. It's okay. The the bits about uh, Booker now being able to pilot uh, Discovery. Now, the, the Federation want to utilise this uh, this thing with the mycelial network on a more, more advanced level by putting it into more ships. Now, of course, if Booker can do it, Maybe the rest of his people on the planet where he comes from, they can do it as well. So there could be more more recruits from them to be able to go onto these. So the Federation will be yeah. probably travelling mycelial network, whereas all these little planets where the discoveries go will probably use, give them all the dilithium crystals to be able to power their ships. So they'll be yeah. at least Federation with one above whatever they're. Uh, I do I do like Buck though. I, lo- I like the the scene at the end where he's just in his non-uniform, a bit like Troy. Kind of, um, but that sort. Of, but I like him as a, he's not Starfleet, but he's he's there because he wants to be there, and he, he's there because he wants to make a difference. He's there because he can help, and also he has a lot of more traits relevant to the time period than anyone else, be it dod- a bit dodgy or not. But he's, he's got a good heart. It's okay. So you got the same there with you got Booker in his uniform, uh, whatever uniform he was wearing. But then you got Aurelio, Ken Mitchell, right? He seemed to be in a Starfleet uniform, and he was part of the uh, the. The Emerald Chain. But, uh, he's more. Uh, uh, I can see him as more part of that, conforming to that kind of thing, and I think he sees the good in the Federation, and he was trying to see the good in the the Emerald Chain. Maybe, uh, maybe. I don't know. 
Nadir is in uniform too as well, and given that she came from like the Earth Defense Force or whatever it's called, um, that's that's a change too. And we we often see that that you know you get to the end of the season and people make a commitment to join the organization, and like I'm I'm not against that. I think I I could have misunderstood this, but my understanding was that not everybody uh, from uh, Booker's uh, planet had the same capabilities. The others out there. The others out there, basically. Yeah, yeah. No, he's well, not I dare unique, say he's not right. I, th- I dare say he's quite rare. Yeah, he's quite yeah. rare, but he's not unique. Yeah. I think, like, logically, and this may be where it all falls apart, because logic is not always Star Trek's greatest friend. <laughs> like, logically, if you have two people who you know can pilot something, you struggle to keep them in the same place, though. Um, and given the history we've seen, like, I, it'll just be interesting to see how that, that works out and, and see what happens. I think I have a fear that they're going to, like, transfer Stamets off because he doesn't like he needs to oversee the building of the new generation of spore drives well, that's for next time that's for next time means he will find out oh hang on what's that oh it's black alert can only mean one thing quick fire john i'm going to come to you first to finish me with your final comments please my friend i've got quite a few so bear yeah, with me no, what go, go, race go. what race is adira supposed to be when she's on the hollow deck oh the poor race it's um so yeah, you remember poor. the print the, the oh, princess right. uh, Okay. I can't remember sounds... what the race is actually called. But... That's good. How is it that Grey's recognised by the hollow, but not by the not the other ones, not the other trail? That's a, that's a question I don't want an answer because we don't know. It's speculation at this point, isn't it? Um, could Kovic be president? Uh, yes, Kovic. Oh, oh, do you mean Section Thirty One? I have yeah. that too. Uh, oh, okay. Cyrus' hair is distracting as fuck. That's one of our things. What fr- I don't know, don't know what our fringe was doing, but yeah, you know. it's just for access for sucky. And right, right, one of my three bugbears, right? One cello, two cat, <laughs> and three. When directors start doing lots of weird upside down swooping into scenes, yeah, and going through things, there was a lot of that this episode, and that distracted me a lot, and I didn't like it. It felt like see, early season two again. Uh, Navarre's fleet we've already covered. Books torture. Uh, and I love it when Osiris said maximum maximum intensity, and then Book reacts like that's directorial actual instruction, <laughs> and then just screams his bloody head off. Yeah, the I love you all bit. Uh, Ma- Michael and Book's turbo lift adventure was uh, a lot of fun, but not real. Didn't really feel as though it made any mm. sense. Uh, the broken nacelle bit with the uh, discovery spinning through the world coming out of warp. That was some excellent effects for me. I really enjoyed that. There was some great effects in this last, well, all season. There was, yeah. there was. Um, uh, limping like an actor, I've written. She was <laughs> yes. doing that thing. Oh, way. yeah. There's been, there's been better limps in Doctor Who, classic Doctor Who. And, and is, is Aurelio joining the crew? Did we decide that that is the case? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That'd be good. He'd be, he's, he was good. I would, like, I would like it if he did. Um, the warp core ejection, I did like that because I liked it. See it clattering down the tunnel like it's an actual thing that happened, cool. rather than just this mysterious ejection into space, which is it was always good. I knew the burn was because of uh, his mum dying. Uh, I think Lindsay called it as well. It's not like it wasn't obvious or anything, but you know the effects were cool with that one scene where he did. Quite, and, and, it was quite a nice though scene. It was quite a nice scene as well. All that at the end, it was you know like as obviously it was. It was quite well played out. Yeah. The uh, the Viridian's explosion was excellent. I thought that was some great graphics. I really felt because there was no noise, there was no no, there was no music. No, that was good because there's no it noise. Was the silence, that's that's always makes it go for yeah. a good impact. 
I'm not a fan of the slow-mo smiley with voiceover and swelling music montage moments. Right? <laughs> I'm with Lindsay on that 100%. She's utterly right. That was unforgivable. Uh. Um, uh, book ending in the Sahil character, that guy who was in the middle of nowhere, that was a nice mm. little uh, moment. Yes. Vance is a good guy, it turns out. He's but he, I'm pleased about that. And But he doesn't need to have his tongue so far up Burnham's arse, is what I've written. So, season four might be just like, like, like Tucker's on ice, but with Discovery, because that's going to be haulage oh. for the next 13 episodes, I'm hoping. Well, we'll find uh, We'll get used to the SS uniform, it's fine. Let's fly. First time I heard that, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And my literal response was, ugh. Mm. But the uh, second time through, I thought, well, fuck it. She owns it. Why not? Yeah, because I mean, I remember the first yeah. time Picard would make it, yeah, so I was a bit like, meh. Then I really liked the TOS ending. It was a nice little book ending that yeah. uh, <laughs> only heartless fiends would ever declare as a Sookie was laughing okay. his cock off. What were you laughing at, Sookie? Oh, the, uh, the the warp core falling down the chute. It just yeah. reminded me of uh, Doctor and the Daleks. Not Doctor and the Daleks, Dalek invasion of her, oh, where the box falls down the chute. And I was thinking that. Uh, just sort of, sort of, thought, it just that, went straight back to yeah, that. Yeah, that is not, nothing like that. Is that, your, is that your comments finished and final, Joe? Pretty much. Unless I think there's anything else. Thank you very much, Andrea. Um, I think we've Hold on. I finished. You said thank you very much, Andrea. No. That's comma, comma. Sorry. All right. Oh, Thank sorry. you very much. Sorry, Andrea. Carry Andrea. Um, I think we've covered most. I, I kind of feel like Booker became a bit of a sort of plot hole fixie machine um, at times, but but it kind of made sense. Um, I didn't mind that explanation for the burn. I know lots of people are kind of crying about it, but it felt very discovery in its kind of tone and, and feel. So I, I think I was okay with that. Um, I think they built it up into this huge mystery and, and it maybe felt a little bit less than was implied. I thought it was going to be some other, and I think we've touched on that thing with kind of the, the Vulcans, Romulans, um, that didn't really come to anything. Um, I have made a note, we used to have a cat and it broke its leg and it got lots of sympathy off my mum when it had this limp. Um, and its leg got better, but occasionally, as it was like entering the on. house, if someone was watching, it would fake its limp, and that was like a Michael Burnham acting lesson. Um, no, it's just um, some drug dealing swagger. That's all that was. Um, in sort of counterpoint to what I was saying about season finales, um, apart from sort of best of both worlds, I am struggling to remember um, a, a TNG season finale in any great detail. Um, so I don't think we have always had those sort of big pomp and, and sort of flair kind of endings to series, um, which I think we kind of started to demand as an audience. And maybe I just need to kind of regulate my expectations. Well, I, think, I think that was, another, sorry to quote Doctor Who again, but it was a, that was quite a Moffat trick, wasn't it, sometimes to do? Was have the big action pack thing before the actual last episode it'd go then quite talky and, and whatever and i think yeah star trek um has definitely done that in the past um without a doubt um and i think that's probably um i did refer to to the vulcans as they're not space whoppers they're clearly intelligent why did they think they were responsible um and the bridge crew got to do stuff like actual proper sh like like actual yeah. like shit um which i think people have been clamoring for for a long time um and i quite like seeing them kind of actually like doing something um and being part of it and i would like to see more of that so i think that is me um done 
And do you know what? I quite like it if literally they had the same budget, but rather than putting all the effects and action and blah blah in, which I know they need to do for the modern audience, but just spent it to like a bit like a TNG and double the amount of episodes and give character pieces to each of the bridge crew. I, I mean, I personally like that, but uh, I would I like I would like to, I would really like to see an episode where uh, some one of the crew, one of the crew that's not one of the main ones, just one of the actual bridge crew gets. Mm. I don't know, invaded by some sort of psychic vampire or something. <laughs> Just a bog standard at TNG kind of yeah. vibe where we get to see their life around the ship and that, that part gets padded out a bit. Yeah, no, definitely. Anyway, it's time to empty your tank. Lindsay? Hi. <laughs> um, so um, the first thing I wrote down was ignominious. I love the use of the word ignominious in relation to the... Oh, the uh, Gormaganders uh, and that kind of... Yeah. Uh, that thing i think that was a really nice way to kind of open that section um and watching it kind of like fly into the 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 wall was really really interesting again like like we've already said the graphics in this episode and then the series have been spectacular um interestingly i felt a little bit different about i've always felt that the the dilithium planet had a real kind of escher feel to it because of all the staircases and, mm. and things like that um, and the use of those camera angles only made that kind of more extreme for me um so it was quite unnerving, but I also quite enjoyed it. Um, I've also seen there's been some footage shared of the performance capture that was done for the monster, um, and it's spectacular. But it does, like I do, again, it's one of those threads that never really felt like it was tied up because I don't quite know what the monster was. Like I know that we've spoken historically about, well, you build a monster in to stop somebody from leaving when you don't want them to leave. Yeah. But like, was it... Has it always been there? Was it a flaw in the programming? Did I be, like, look, I, it just I, I, looked I, I, cool, didn't I'm, it? I'm not sure it looked was that important, though, was it? No, yes. not really. But again, it was just it was just a thing. Well, we there was didn't a lot get. of a lot of hollow things going on, wasn't it? To try and keep the Andrea. I was just going to say, I thought that the monster was kind of when he was ready to confront the monster because he wasn't frightened of the monster. He was kind of ready to to engage with the outside world so it, it was almost like some kind of like fail safe to stop him trying to leave when he was he was too young and, and things are going to go horribly wrong and um, to kind of make him wait for help i think was the uh kind of the, yeah. the explanation quite possibly i just like I, I i i didn't come away feeling like i really understood that it's okay oh go back to that monster he was we originally saw that monster locked up, so it must have confronted him in the past and disposed of him and put him behind these doors which were chained up before it's, the discovery turned up. So it's, it's not confronting your issues if you just lock it away, Sucky, though, is it? That's maybe the not, that but he, he dealt with it as best as he could as a because he's still a, a childlike persona, he's a childlike person. He needs to grow up and face his demons, literally. <laughs> Nothing like... Uh, anyway, let's uh, get this tank emptied, Lindsay. Come on. Yeah. Sorry. 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 <laughs> it's not you. It's um, <laughs> I, I really liked uh, Vulcan Grey. I think it was great. And the moment where Hugh hugs him, I think, is just really poignant. I think, yeah, again, Wilson Cruz yes. and these two young actors were amazing. just phenomenal. Huh? Um, and, and that was amazing. Um <laughs> with Osiris, it does seem to be a short jump from uh, treaty to obliteration. She goes from, well, fuck the treaty, we're going to obliterate them. I was like, really, really? Um, the bit where Burnham's like, you can trust me, Admiral Vance. I won't let you down. I'm like, you don't really have anything to stake that on, though, do you? So it's a massive risk for Vance, but he does take it and obviously pays off, so good on him. 
Um, I quite like the, st- the bit about Orion Hearts being more complex. The, you know, the blood flows in both directions. Um, it was a fairly spectacular rubbish strangulation. Um, however, that may, may have been for real life reasons, so I will accept that and move <laughs> on. Uh, well, yeah. Um, I feel like they possibly could have come up with a different way to film that that would have not felt so fake. Um, Awashkin's family history, we, or Awashkin's, sorry, uh, family history, we have seen before, like back in season two, because she Church. speaks about her. Yeah, in the church, uh, and there's lots of chat about her her family being quite um, traditionalist. So I quite like that there was some bedding in for this making some sense that she wasn't just randomly somebody who went diving and therefore could hold her breath for longer than most people. Um, so that made some sense. Um, the outside equals danger feels like it's very prescient um, given current <laughs> circumstances. Um, and I also, like, there, there were some really lovely kind of quotes from Sakal and various others in this and this idea that this is my life and I need to understand felt kind of really impressive I I wish to rescind my critique of non-Doug Jones Kelpians Um, obviously Doug Jones is spectacular and nobody will ever perform a role the same way that he does however I do think that Sukal, the guy who's playing Sukal was remarkable um, in his own special way although infant Sukal or baby Sukal looked really odd I don't know if they CGI'd him or something I don't know. It just. Hey, well, it yeah, because it was a hollow thing, wasn't it? So hollow objection. Yeah. So you get with it, just, it anyway. It was. It was slightly uncanny valley. Weird things going on there. Um, so Michael and so when Book is being tortured, I was just down there going, "She better be willing to sacrifice him because she has just forced somebody else to sacrifice mm. their loved ones for the good and of the ship." And she doesn't. And and maybe that's because there genuinely is a chance to to get away with them. Um, or maybe it's just because she loves him more than she cares about anybody else. <laughs> um, uh, some of the the medically sciencey hand waving fluff about uh, the genetic changes that have happened to Sukal and how he is connected with subspace were very hand wavy indeed. Uh, yes. But we will accept them because it's Star Trek, and that's okay. Um, niche comment, isn't it? Really. <laughs> Although Lindsay's got her, she loves she loves getting down into the she dirty grit of detail. I do. I love some niche. That's why I always have <laughs> so much nonsense to say, and why you're always constantly answer, asking me to empty my tank. I just like saying um, that because because eventually you'll break, and I love that fact. Um, <laughs> um, you are no longer alone. I think is just one of those lovely moments, um, and like um, Suri standing with Sukal in that moment is really lovely. I did like I do feel like there was a moment whereby. Was, uh, when Sukal's like, oh, I did this, I want to make it better. I was like, oh my gosh, is he going to like sing the lullaby and fix all the dilithium or something? Like I was kind of half, like halfway expecting like magical singing to like help resonate the crystals back into life. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that comes back at some point in the future and we turn it like Sukal's like helping grow dilithium or something. Um, what type? Well, um, I don't know. Um, the uh, the actor who played Sahil um, made a really lovely comment on Twitter about how much he'd enjoyed being able to um, to show like a namaste greeting um, in an episode of Star Trek, which was lovely as well. I think, um, yeah. And again, I like I like that little insight we get of Paul's reticence about just moving past everything. But we know he he can be a bit of a grumpy bear sometimes. Oh, he's a grudge, and he holds a grudge. So, well, only for a little while. Um, Did no, he hold no the cat? Hey, I was lining some up for that one, Suki. Well done. Oh, yeah. are, are we need um, empty? Yes, that is actually 
me. I'm moving emptied on the tank. Emptied the tank. Well, um, as we all know, it's a little bit cold in space. Um, so we're going to beam down to Sucky's house to get warmed by his open fire and get his final comments. Hello there. It's Sucky here from Wolverhampton. Yeah, I do the podcast and that, don't I? Well, I'm getting on a bit of age, so I'm going to have a sit down by me open fire. I tell you what, there's now that warms the bones right through. Place of open fire. So I invite you all now to beam down with me to my open fire. Get your bones warmed right through. I'll tell you some tales and you can... You can sucky on this. What? Oh, God. Something happened there, Sucky. I think there was a temporal shift in the transporter. You fucking blocked us out of your house, haven't you? Because we're in my house, and the only fire I've got is that Netflix TV thing. So we're going to have to just be cold and watch watch fire like a tease. So give us your final your final uh, thoughts, Sucky, please, in my house with my Netflix fire. Okay, Cold. just just to let you know, I've not blocked you. You're welcome in my house, Bob, any time. Thanks. The wife has blocked you because you're not <laughs> eating the food. Oh, I thought there was a right. reason. So Yes, so that's the whole thing. So please don't blame me. Um, right, so, so I did like the whole thing with Col- Colbert, Adira and uh, Grey. That was all their little scenes down below in that on that planet was lovely. And I, I just loved that little dynamic there. I don't know how, how Grey's going to be coming back for season four, but obviously there might be some reason why he's he's been listed. The actor's been listed as a recurring character, uh, recurring person for next season, so he is going to be back. Uh, Aurelio and Osiris little scenes where she does, uh, she ravels in front of him, so he knows she is this bad bad person now. Even though she, he's been told. That she's not really a good person. It's all all these scenes is now happening in front of him, and he realizes that maybe he's uh, he's put his flag to the wrong mast, right? Basically, mm-hmm. so uh, I did like that, and I do like the fact that Ken Mitchell uh, ended up in a Starfleet uniform uniform at the end of the the uh, the episode. So he is going to be back as probably a recurring character next season. Yeah, that no, was really good. I really enjoyed his character as well. Yeah, he has a mini uh, mini journey. I kind of like that. The uh, I, I did like the fact that they keep mentioning that oh well, uh, could, uh, when she was eight, she could last up to ten, uh, uh, not hold, hold her breath for ten minutes when she was eight. So God knows how how long she can actually hold her breath for now. Uh, so she could be lo- a lot longer than that. I do like the fact that uh, Booker, Booker has one of these little lines. That would, uh, you know, that usually become like uh, catchphrases or memes. And he's got one, let's take back the ship, uh, close up on his face and everything. Um, and I do like his little scene, uh, his fight scene, where uh, with Zara on the uh, the on the uh, turbo lift, when she uh, he turns around, he calls that fat cat of yours, and he and he just that yeah, just rolls him up, and he decides she's a queen, and then throws him off the uh, the thing. Um, uh, there's a, the little scenes between Michael and Asira where as they're fighting. All right, so your approval means everything. Right, I quite like Michael just giving it all back to her. I did not like Tilly relinquishing a command to Michael because I just I just didn't think it was worth uh, justified. Or it should have been the fact that 
she should have just carried on as command and just taken it forward, but it just didn't seem to work like that. Now, we never mentioned it, or you guys never mentioned it, and I wasn't here last week, but Lieutenant Ina, right, she suddenly appeared last week as the as part of this bridge crew, because I don't know what happened to Nielsen. Yeah, Nielsen, I was that. Right, Nielsen suddenly vanished and Ina appeared. And uh, so I, I've only I thought about it. If you, most of the time, when you see the bridge crew walking on, Nielsen's always in the bridge crew, so she may be just uh, sitting in the con, basically. So she might be running like the night shift or the early shift or whatever. <laughs> right? So she's there with everybody <laughs> else. That's okay. Right? So she <laughs> wasn't think... part of the bridge crew when he was taken over. I think I think John's trying to say his piece, but I think, thankfully, he's muted. Uh, carry, carry, carry on, so no, that's, that's my little uh, headcanon there as to why Nielsen wasn't there, but Ina was. Um, I like the fact that Sukal, when you see him, he's going to press his little palm, his palm into the, uh, the control palm. panel. His, his palm uh, into the control panel to be able to activate it. See, it's only small little for a child, child Kelvin, <laughs> then it suddenly grows to be able to uh, put it on for uh, an adult one, which I quite like the little detail there. Oh, my God. You've really gone through this, haven't you, Sucky? Like a fine-tooth yeah, yeah. comb. There's, uh, I'd like to know what, a, what what Starbase has got a signature gelato. Does anybody know? No. Uh, I, it's going to be like DS9 with, like, Orc's great-great-great-grandchildren. <laughs> uh, you know what? Next season, just... Uh, I'd like to say that I would really like to see some of the old races. I'd yeah. like to see. The, I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see what happened to the Klingons. Mm. I mean, all of them. I think the um, Ferengi would be great to catch up with again. See where they've come. That'd be awesome. I, I would. I would like some Cardassians. Cardassians yeah. are always good. Yeah, definitely. I would like to see us travel a little bit further because there's no reason why we couldn't be in. Uh, I'm sure we've touched on this already, but like the Delta Quadrant, the Gamma Quadrant, all of these places mm. are within the spore drives. Uh, yeah, uh, reach. It's okay. And uh, we've all touched upon the the, the Michael uh, uh, new catchphrase, which is "Let's fly." And as everybody seems to say, once you've heard it once, uh, twice, right, it does grow on you. So I'm quite, I'm, I'm okay with that. I did like the original Star Trek theme tune at the end. Um, and I think, oh, there's one other bit. Why does Michael? They're fighting away in the tube on the on the uh, the turbo lift, and then the the regulators come on, and there's nobody there. So obviously they must have jumped off and got away. So why why does Michaelson give away a position by starting to shoot from the top, and then give up a, a position away? Basically, it just annoyed me. They were they were away. They got away. Why why is there a glass panel in the roof of why a turbo lift? Yeah, hey, it's just these things, isn't it? Action and plot and that. Is that you done, me lad? That is me, Don. <sighs> right, lovely. Well, it's time to put some lights on this. How many lights you see? There are four lights! I asked how many lights you see. Lights out of five. Our final lights out of five for Series 3 of Star Trek Discovery. Sucky, I'm going to come to you first. What are you going to score this out of five, my friend? Right, uh, but I was going to score it five out of five. But I just realised I killed off Janet Kidder and her character, Osira. <laughs> so I'm going to knock off a full half a point for that. Ooh, 4.5 from Sucky. Still quite strong. Really yeah. likes that Janet Kidder. Uh, yes. Andrea? I've kind of 
dotted around, um, and I feel like I've complained a lot, but I'm actually I'm gonna give it a four. Oh well, that's uh, yeah, no, that's good. It's kind of lunged between a three and a four, but I think despite me sort of complaints, I think there was, there was more than enough to like there, so I, I'm yeah. I'm going to give it a four. Brilliant, um, Lindsay. Yeah, I am really torn because um, much like Andrea said, like there is a lot to like in this episode. There really is, and some of my frustrations are just frustrations about discovery that I'm trying to kind of move past and not include when it comes to scoring these kind of things because they are what they are. Mm. Um, I'm going to give it a 3.75. Ooh, cool. 3.75. Like 3.5 and a 4. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. So 3.75 from you, Lindsay. John? Uh, yeah, it was, was action-packed. It was one of the better episodes, I think. So originally I was going to give it 4 out of 5 lights, mm. but because Janet Kidder got killed, I'm going to bump it up to 4.5. <laughs> 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 nice you one. Bastard. Nice one, John. Nice one. You know, being honest, I'd have... On first watching, I'd probably give this a three, three and a half, like I've done the last sort of couple. But watching them all back to back today, I fucking loved it. So I've got to give it, definitely got to give it a four and a half. Um, Does that mean you're going to go back and change your scores? To the no, other you can't go back. You can't go back. Suck it. In fact, no, I'm going to fuck right. it. I'm going to give it you a literally five. can. You're, you've got the one. You're the one with the spreadsheet. Well, and everybody else want, forgot yeah. what you scored anyway. I'm gonna go. Yeah. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go 4.5. Yeah, I think that's a fair score. It's given maybe sure. an extra point or so for um, for the ones that I did. I was a bit harsh on at the time. Um, right. Anyway, enough what we think. Let's find out what you think. It's listeners' feedback. Let's find out what you think to the series finale of Star Trek Discovery that hope is you part two. Uh, Sucky, kick us off, please. We've got Jack McMorrow and he's put, overall, this is the 801st episode of Star Trek. You could say it's been a long ju- uh, long road getting from there to here. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Great song. It's my time finally here. Now this episode was so bad that I beat my TV up afterwards. Did anyone fall for that? Great end to a great season. There were elements I didn't quite uh, get. Uh, Discovery having all that internal volume for turbo lift seems odd. However, I guess that in the refit that might now be a TARDIS. Although they did show impossibly large internal volume in season two, though. No. The holographic story with Saru would fit so perfectly into overall Star Trek canon. Excellent. I did wonder why the bridge crew didn't suffer brain death or at least severe brain damage after passing out from oxygen deprivation that seemed a bit on that seemed a bit on discovery but not nearly enough to make me not enjoy it overall 4.75 Sir Patrick Stewart's buying you a month of pom bears <laughs> please watch the last three episodes together hey me and Jack again so, yeah. yeah sorry about the long review but when I get started, I get too lazy to too stop. Too lazy now, to stop. That is great. Uh, thanks. That, that's a great review. That is. Yeah, thanks. Do you feel like we need to just comment on the fact that I'm pretty sure there has been an episode of Star Trek in literally every series where people have been exposed to the vacuum of space and or deprived of oxygen and somehow managed to walk away unscathed? Most likely. John Boy, over to you, my friend. And he's muted himself again, ladies and gentlemen, every week. Has. Fuck, Bob, don't <laughs> turn those accusations after me. Ian Barker, 
says, to be honest, not the best season of Discovery, but it's okay. Nice to see Douglas himself, no early mornings to visit the makeup chair, I guess. And took me a while to realise Ken was making his third character appearance. One thing missing from the series was the Klingons. What happened to them after the burn? Thanks, mm, Ian. Thanks very much, Ian. Andrea? So we've got Timothy Feather, who says, Overall, was okay-ish. But I found myself feeling a bit underwhelmed as the credits rolled, and I'm not feeling the urgency to rewatch that I did at the beginning of the season. It concluded without any real surprises or revelations, as it was already pretty obvious Michael would be in the captain's chair by the end of the episode. My main gripe is the confusing outside turbo lift scenes. Exactly how big is Discovery inside? Is it tran- is it dimensionally transcendental now, like the TARDIS? This really annoyed me. Two point five lights out of five. Whoa, Tim was Tim was enraged. Lindsay. Uh, okay, so I've got Megan Reynolds. I really enjoyed it, and it was nice to see the series end on a positive note rather than a cliffhanger. I'm really looking forward to season four and what it will bring. Thanks very much, Megan. I've got Alan Neville. Uh, I was, I've, I've really been impressed with season three. Three. I especially like the Terra Firma and season finale episodes. Thank you very much, Alan. Back to you, Sucky. We've got Mark Atkinson from Proctor I thought he was pretty good. I can't say I totally understood what was happening, but it all looked very lovely, didn't it? Plenty of action and great special effects. Burnham saves the day again and becomes captain. Blimey, didn't see that coming, (laughs) honest. There's still something missing from Discovery for me, but this was a strong season finale and gets a four lights out of five from Mm. me. Great job on the podcast, guys and gals. Happy New Year, Mark. Happy New Year, Thank you very much. Happy New Year. That's strong. Uh, John Boy. Yep, uh, Ben PM says, this was such a letdown. <laughs> Seeing the internal lift elevator system of a starship was amazing, but the plot was overly confusing and nonsensical, and Burnham as captain makes no sense at all. She has been such a flip-floppy character throughout, and I feel she's a reflection of the show, flipping and flopping between different moods, tones, and ideas each season. Will they actually stay in the future for the next season, or will some other nonsensical thing happen and send Discovery... <laughs> into the Picard timeline or some other nonsense. I will always watch as I love and hate this show, but when you put it next to the old Star Trek or other current sci-fi like The Expanse, there is no comparison. It has so much potential, but it's also a mess. Mm, thank you very much. Yeah, cheers, Ben. Uh, Andrea? So we've got Joshua Dyball who says, bit frantic this episode, and like others, I can't believe the internal space within the ship can really be that vast. But enjoyed it all the same. Love Burnham's epilogue about connection, which seemed to touch on our own currently isolated lives. As Burnham says, the need to connect is at the core of sentient beings, and most of us are feeling the need to connect more than ever. Another uniform upgrade. We've now seen the evolved Enterprise jumpsuits, debut of the bright coloured uniforms of, <laughs> of Kirk's time, a touch of next gen, and now a completely new design. The new design seemed a bit retro to me, perhaps reminiscent of the motion yeah. picture. All in all, pretty good. Four lights out of five. Thanks, Josh. I was thinking, yeah, about the motion, the blandness of the motion picture in the new uniforms. Uh, Lindsay, can I make an obscure observation of course about you uniform colours? I know. Um, <laughs> so, despite the fact that we've gone into the future and we've gone all coloured, um, Hugh's medic is still white as opposed to blue for science. Well, there you go. That's what you're here for, Lindsay. All the like... better to see the blood splatter. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, as a continuity thing. Know that McCoy is blue and everything after McCoy is blue. 
Yeah, but when he was white. doing his medical stuff, he put gowns on and stuff, didn't yeah, he? White. Yeah, white scrubs. Uh, anyway, Lindsay, it's your feedback turn, please. That makes no sense. <laughs> um, Chef's deep dive. Yep. Uh, there was so much going on, felt like a mini Trek movie. Book has become like a Swiss Army knife and has the answers to most things. Uh, there was a few moments it felt writers were in a corner and thought, oh, book it, and set up book to help <laughs> save the day. The whole story felt art. Sorry, the whole story arc felt a little bit meh um, that the lad was in tuned to the planet and made it shake and caused the burn it just didn't feel clever enough also great to see the inside of discovery and the many levels and all those baddies yet no main crew member really died unless some red shirts insignificant did um, even under fire and people shouting burnham still whispered her way through it no cliffhanger was, were they worried they weren't going to get a new season? It was obvious Burnham would be captain at the end. All in all, an enjoyable ride. Four flies out of five. Um, he does also add, oh, and I missed uh, last week to review, but just to say that in that episode, Book was a badass with a Rubik's Cube spaceship. He is like a James Bond in space, and he's way too good for Whisper Whiny, Michael. <laughs> Big Laura Book, cheers, ships. Head up a Ships Deep Dive podcast, and you'll hear loads of awesome people on there. Uh, including Sucky. Um, cool, I've got Bruce Wayne. Hiya, at the uh, NL underscore dark underscore night on Twitter. Hi, Bruce. Uh, let's fly. Let's fly, for fuck's sake. Is that the best uh, captain's command they could come up with for whispering Mike? Um, <laughs> the least she could do uh, is... <laughs> the least she could have done is bark Hashtar. Uh, Vulcan for fly. That would have been quite cool, a bit of Vulcan, uh, to make it more interesting. Uh, let's get my two other biggest negatives out of the way. Burn and whispering. Often said over this season, please will someone teach her to talk normally. Uh, some lazy pot solutions, including Buck, who seems to have become the season three plotline Lego set. I like that, Bruce. Uh, there got them done uh, and not yet claimed anyone has been sacked <laughs> uh, use the term walk or said that the show has been cancelled um, on the whole I really enjoyed the episode uh, the conclusion to this series series and the series itself uh, Trek fans Trek, sorry, Trek fans to get excited about lots of newbies too encouraging them to look up older stuff the other old story arc was quite good even if the burn turned out to be the mother of a, of, of a all kiddie ta of all kiddie tantrums um, it wasn't all highs, uh, but but they fight away some of the negatives. Uh, for me, uh, the episode was a 5.5 lights out of 5, and I'd give the same to the series overall. That's pretty strong, Bruce. Thank you very much. Okay. 4.5, uh, yeah. Sorry, 4.5. 4.5, apologies, Bruce. Thank you very much. Oh, sorry, this is Deb, Suki. This is Deb. All right, uh, we've got the lovely Deb, and she's put, the story of Sukal on the planet was so moving. For me, good fantasy and sci-fi can be an allegory. The monsters signify and suppress fears that are destructive, but we need to step forward to meet the darkness to start to heal. It's a sort of imagery I would associate with Doctor Who. Sukal's situation also reminded me of Trump, a big, a big overgrown baby who lives in a world manipulated to serve only his needs, but ends up destroying all around him. But enough of reality. So, the theme of the season was connections. I like that. Relationships between the crew, connections between the Federation and its purpose, and even discovery in past treks. Burnham's end of episode talking reflections really make, makes me picture her as Arkwright from Alpen All Hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh well, saving the day was awesome, and I love the little data sphere. The Stamets, Culver, 
Adira Tall relationship is really cute, but isn't Tall really old? They've part adopted a centuries-year-old worm. <laughs> the effects and uh, post-production were stunning, especially given the constraints of COVID. I bet Bob with his posh TV mm. had a lovely time. That was amazing. Poor Stabbit. Not only was he ejected from Discovery, then pushed away by Vance, but he's now no longer the only per- the only one who can navigate the spore drive. The next series will be tough for him. I was going to ignore Burnham becoming captain, but just... <laughs> no. When told that ejecting the warp core might blow them up, her reassuring reply was, there is a chance we won't. And just to add to the jeopardy, she doesn't even check to see if Buck can navigate the ship. One little test jump. Burnham is reckless, headstrong, and puts others at risk by not considering her their views. I can't see her having a Picardy chat around the table in the ready break room. Mm-hmm. I think I will try going to my boss to explain I ignored all the work policies and ejected the boiler from the outbuilding <laughs> to see if it exploded uh... and see if I get promoted. Tell us what happens after that, then. (laughs) Anyway, apart from the middle few episodes, I have loved the series and appreciated the fun and weirdness of your wonderful pod. When the world is a bit safer, I hope we can have a trip this outcome where we can all play weird games invented by... (laughs) No. Do some smoothing down with John's wood, Uh. have a cup of Horlicks with Sucky, (laughs) do some Maggie Smith appreciation with Angsty, Uh. and watch Judge Judy with Prime Walker and Andrea. (laughs) Oh, we can't, we can't wait for the day, Deb. So posh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Lindsay? Um, so we've got a comment from uh, the Lockdown Librarian. Um, this episode had everything you want from a finale without leaving us hanging. I saw Saru taking a leave of absence coming. How else to get Michael in the captain's chair by the end of the season, which the writers have been heavily signalling. I was very concerned we were going to lose a member of the bridge crew. Hopefully we see more of all of them in season four although I'm not sh- sure where Lieutenant Ina came from. Um, the journey to the data core was trippy. Which part of the ship are they hiding all that space in? <laughs> I yelled, how dare you, grudge as a queen, just before Book gave Zara the hippo at the turbo lift. <laughs> Extremely satisfying to see him go. Some bits felt a tad contrived, Book using the spore drive, Grey's appearance. But overall, I give this one 4.5 dilithium cords out of 5. Thank you, lockdown librarian. Uh Who's next? John. Hello. Philip Heron says. Alright, am I on mute, Bob? So I just need to check first, mate. Am I on mute? No, you are loud and clear, John. Thank All you. Alright, that's good. So coming in loud right. and clear. Coming in loud All and right, clear. That's good. Philip Heron says <laughs> The show has never looked better. The production crew did amazing work this year in spite of the pandemic. The story started off well but was let down by the Olympic level plot twisting to get Tilly and Saru out of the way for Michael. The burn not really going anywhere. And the super cringe ending, I hope there's a better explanation for Grey's magic hollow appearance and why there's apparently more space inside Discovery than out. I was getting serious Monsters Inc. vibe from the Turbo Love scene. Still enjoyable despite the flaws, but could have been so much better. Three out of five lights with a bad task by egg ass for taste. <laughs> Thanks a lot, yes, cheers. Right. Andrea. So we've got Tom Turlo on Twitter. On the plus side, there was plenty of excitement incident in action as always it looked great with millions of dollars thrown at the screen but it was a fairly underwhelming end to an underwhelming series jumping forward a thousand years had the potential to be so exciting with so many new worlds and civilizations to explore 
Instead, we got the burn, which makes everything less technologically advanced. That feels a bit of a cop out. The central overarching storyline just wasn't interesting or compelling enough to drive everything forward. The explanation and resolution was remarkably meh. And are we supposed to care about Sukal anyway? The biggest problem is the perennial problem, the biggest problem that has existed right from day one. The central character is just not that likeable or interesting. We're supposed to root for Michael, and yet she's one of the least attractive characters on board. Obviously, the production teams believe the moment when she becomes a captain is a moment where we're supposed to punch the air and celebrate, yet I can't imagine anyone would. Saru would make a much better captain, even till he would be better. Michael is arrogant, self-absorbed and insubordinate, yet lacks Kirk's charm and charisma, which made up for his similar defects. Why on earth would anyone want her to be in charge? And what happens when and if Saru comes back? Will she step down? So all in all, a slightly tumescent end to a mostly flaccid season. (laughs) I hope, I hope season four aims for something more consequential and rewarding. Three lights out of five. And just put, reading this back, I've obviously been listening to the podcast for too long. <laughs> Bob's childish, smutty schoolboy humour has clearly rubbed off on me, so uh, to speak. You, you're welcome, Tom. Thank you very much, Tom. That was great. Um, it's me, uh, Blue Cat, on Twitter. Uh, hate the new uniforms. Love the bridge crew, Buck and um, Aurelio. Is it Aurelio? Is I said it right? Aurelio. Aurelio, cool. Um, thank you, Sucky. Uh, for those complaining about Buck's interface with the spore drive, he interfaced with the sea locusts, so why not? I don't recall his forehead lighting up, though. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, Sarah's back to being a super buddy. Boring. Um, fl- uh, f- fighting the data core was stupid. Have they lost the sphere data? Uh, maybe Dot wasn't too badly damaged. Uh, too badly damaged. Dislike the whole turbo fight business in the vast expanse. Saru and Sakal uh, were great performances. Not happy with Saru um, leaving his leaving the captaincy. What the f? Uh, Burnham shaping up uh, to be the thirty second C. <laughs> to be the 32nd C captain, I think. I mean. um, no, captain. she was 32nd century, Kirk. Oh, sorry, apologies, thank you. Um, I didn't like it, uh, but so be it. I love uh, Gersha Phillips' um, designs, but the new uniforms, ugh, ugly down to the shade of grey uh, they used. It was a fine dress uniform um, for, for Adam Vance, but not a working uniform. The grey is just awful. Um, <laughs> they should have stuck with uh, Disco Blue in a new 22nd century style, but the long tunic doesn't seem functional. Have I mentioned I hate the colour? <laughs> just a little bit there, cat. Um, Another rushed uh, season finale, and damn it, Saru was a great captain. Re, oh, uh, oh, 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 um, people uh, can hold the breath for 10 minutes. I checked. Oh, well, there you go. Nice one, Kat. Um, that's yeah. good to know. Okay, sorry. Uh, just a bit about the uniforms. I know we've all, some of us like it, some of us don't, but it's, I've just had a look online. There's a lot of people saying that it compares it to uh, the original movies. Yeah, that's what, some, uh, that's what we said before. Yeah, Josh said that, and I thought that as well. Uh, anyway, 2.5 lights out of 5. Meh. Oh, bless you, cat. Uh, back to you, Sucky. We've got www.chasdog.com. Okay, and they put, loved all the seasons, finale felt a bit tidy though, would have liked a little more jeopardy, a bit of a leading cliffhanger for season four. Had the feel of a final episode where the production were told they weren't coming back for season four mid-season and tied up loose ends. That's the point, we didn't have a, like a cliffhanger to the season, was uh, last, just the a, last couple a of seasons cliffhanger we of hope, isn't it? Yeah, which is a bit different. And I think it's because I've got season four in the bag and yeah, off they go. 
And finally, uh, John. Yeah, I'm not sure who this is. Marcus. 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 Ah, Bart. right, Marcus. Blue screen of death, yeah. And so it came to pass that St. Michael of Burnham was given the captaincy of Discovery and another decent character, Saru, is sidelined. Burnham, when you think about it, is a violent anti-authoritarian, more in the line of Dirty Harry than a ship star captain. A starship captain? <laughs> but she's infinitely more smug than Callahan and definitely thinks she should be in charge. Luckily, everybody else in the known universe sees how great she is. Some complete nonsense on display? Discovery is a TARDIS. All <laughs> bro programs can see past Trill hosts. Suddenly, Buck could use a spore drive. Bigger problems were there in the fact that we have been given so little of the bridge crew that I couldn't care less if they lived or died. For all the noise about a trans character, we have seen little of Grey. We've got an atrocious, heavy-handed, I want to be seen, social commentary piece, which was just laziness. The writers could take the lead from Daniel Levy on how to write characters that audiences love, regardless of their gender. Isn't he the... Uh, the Tottenham football chairman. Oh, oh, right. Daniel Levy's Shitscreek. I thought he was the football chairman. I don't know what he's written. <laughs> that's, uh, that's comment there is the last one on my list. Hold on, I'm getting it back. Lovely. It closed. Is it closed? Uh, the best, the best thing... He's only read half of it. <laughs> I know, I'm getting there, but it's still closed on me. Uh, the best thing was the Saru scenes with the Kelpie and Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> they were well written and showed Saru's strength. It's a shame that, like Philippa, the Emperor, Lorca, Pike and Spock, the character had to be sacrificed on the altar of Burnham. I'm torn on next season. It could be horrible with a crew that really wouldn't want to be part of. Or it may be that having got the Messiah to where they wanted, the writers start concentrating on other characters and decent stories. Two flashing lights out of five. Wow. I think the season as a whole is disappointing. They evaded building a detailed future by using the burn to set civilization back rather than forwards. Lack of any standout episodes, certainly nothing there you'd watch again. Thanks, Marcus. Fair enough. Thank you very much, Marcus. Thank you very much, everyone, for your feedback this season. It's been very much appreciated, and we've loved reading it back and listening to it and, uh, and yeah, reviewing it. It's been class. Anyway, it's time to vote for this week's Red Shirt. I woke up this morning, put on my red shirt. Oh, Red shirt time, boys and girls. Uh, sucky, because you're wearing a kind of red shirt tank top. Um, oh, it's your uniform. Um, give, us your, <laughs> give us your vote uh, for your, this for this week's red shirt, now, my good I've man. I've written it down earlier on that uh, something happened, which is a bit strange, and I thought I'll just use that as you know to blame somebody to become a red, red shirt. And that was the fact that John agreed with Lindsay on something. What? But the thing was, it was that quickly that he agreed with her, and then he went off and disagreed with her. Yeah. But I can't yeah. remember what he agreed. So I'm going <laughs> to vote for John for just shattering my... Uh, expectations of him when he always agree disagrees with Lindsay. Mm, wow. Uh, I only got one thing to say to that, and that is fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. I think we agree that more often than you. we disagree. Uh, we agree a lot. Yeah. Do. And in yeah, the this, in the in the parallel universe, um, Andrea. Yeah. Well, I was going to nominate John because he took oh, the gosh. piss out of my accent earlier, and I still haven't forgotten that, even though it was nearly two hours ago. Oh, uh, it was bad. What I, I have noticed is I suggested some really, really good new uniforms that Sookie could be wearing for work, and he's not wearing yeah. any of them. Uh, and I think if he was wearing his Princess Leia outfit, he would be fine. But since he's put a red shirt on today, he's going to be oh, a red shirt. Oh, yes, Andreas. That Sookie red shirt, John red shirt, 1-8. will take that. Uh, 
John, let's have yours. Uh, uh, I'm going to vote uh, for... Uh, see, it's tricky because Lindsay's not really done anything to upset me this time. I, I really want it to be <laughs> Lindsay so I can pick her. Oh. Uh, but uh, getting defensive about somebody uh, using your accent is understandable. So I, c- I can't really do Andrea any grief here. Bob, been remarkably nice this time. I'm not sure I like it. So, Sucky. <laughs> sucky, it's you, you fucker. Sucky, Sucky's got... Why? Why? Just you've got, because it's just... You've got a red shirt on. You've got a red shirt on. Um, sucky, you've got two. John has one. Uh, oh, God. Uh, Lindsay. <laughs> Were you trying to remember my name there? No, I was trying to think, should I go? You? I'm just going to let you go. Okay, that's fine. Um, I'm going to pick Suki because for somebody who doesn't actually watch Star Trek, he has a lot of feelings about whether the TOS Star Trek theme should be used places. Uh, oh, and I disagree with him. I disagree. Surprise. So, right, Suki, that's three three for you, one for John, uh, and then there's there's me. And it's just going to be you, Suki, because I can see nothing but a red shirt upon you. Um, so I was going to kill you. That's what I want to know. I'm gonna post. I'm gonna post you somewhere where the sun don't shine. We've done plenty of that work at the moment. <laughs> Can we not just like, like let him loose in the innards of discovery to be like batted about in like an anti-grav manner? Could do. Like, between also, I want I want you to be swallowed by some of that programmable matter stuff in the data core. Oh, these are nasty. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I think? I'm just looking at Sucky's knitwear there. I can just see under his massive, awesome beard. Del, Del, this is my mum's work, so they'll start criticising No, I'm not, I'm not criticising the craft work, Sucky. It's, it's quite fabulous. But the material looks like if you if you, if you you shook your head like that and your beard started like frictioning on it, it might cause a fire and set fire to yourself with beard jumper friction. Um, so you're going to be dead by that. Um, and just before we end this section, um, I'm just going to give you the results of this season's uh, red shirts. Uh, in last place, Andrea only got one vote, believe it or yes. not, in the whole season. Uh, and then Lindsay, two. So, so yeah. I'm just too lovable. I know. And I'm joint four uh, votes this season. It's me and Sucky. Um, Fuck off. Uh, it's me. The red shirt with six. An overwhelming six, John. You've been up to saying people is is you for this season. I can't season. understand why, because genuinely I'm the nicest person on this fucking pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, behind closed doors, you need to, you need to bring it to the podcast. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Cool. Anyway, let's get this to a close. Well, thank you very much for listening, and thank you for your feedback. And uh, yeah, hey Bob, yeah, we've not talked about shit or semen at all this episode. So I thought <laughs> he mentioned really it's too late for you. He did I did drop a poo in. That's he true. He did also talk about did you drop tampon. A <laughs> oh yeah, that was you did, Lindsay. You talked about tampon uh, literature. Tampon literature. The rest of it's just done And now go through um, the episodes in a rough order very quickly uh, to tell you how we rank them all season. Uh, in joint last place on 15 out of uh, 20, 25, yeah, 25, uh, we've got episode 3, People of Earth, and episode 7, Unification 3. Uh, if with 15.5, just a point ahead, we have episode 11, Sakal, and 16.5, episode 6, Scavengers. Um, then we have on 18.14, because uh, John was pie or something, uh, we have episode 10, Terra Firm Pie. 
at 2, 18.5, just a slight bit ahead. Episode 4, Forget Me Not. In episode 8, The Sanctuary with 19.5. Episode 12, uh, so, uh, so last time, uh, this is uh, There is a Tide with 20.5, another point five. Episode 9, Terra Firma Part 1 with 21. 21.25 this episode episode 13 that hope is you part two in third place episode five die trying with 22 and in joint first place uh, with 20 oh no that's no, right it was second place actually 22.25 episode one that hope is you part one the book the beginning of the bookend uh, and the winner is episode two far from home with 22.5 that's how we rank the episodes. I think on reflection, what was that one? Uh, that was the was second. That one? Second, uh, far from home was the uh, second episode with a full crew, and not very much burn. But burn ah, comes yeah. back. Yeah, so that was that one. Uh, overall, the whole season, uh, out of three hundred twenty-five, we have scored this for uh, two hundred forty-seven point six four. Uh, and I'm just going to go through the places for the most negative and the uh, most positive people in some form of order. Uh, the most negative person uh, is, believe it or not, Andrea. Uh, with a uh, 47.5 overall out of 65. So you were the most negative, Andrea. Um, and then uh, we have, in next place, John, which is believable, uh, with 48.14, again, because of his pie. Uh, third, uh, we have Sucky on 49.25 out of 65. Uh, and then it's a joint first, really, me and our Linz on 51.5. So we are Mr. and Mrs. Positive. Lindsay. Uh, and Who would have believed it if you just lent to me rant for most of the last I know, two yeah, hours? It's, it's, it is quite surprising, yeah. Uh, so that's the, that's how we've, how we've sort of ranked everything this season. So it's been quite a journey. Um, and overall, I think, an, for me personally, an enjoyable one. Well, definitely an enjoyable one. What are your hope, hopes and aspirations? Just briefly for, for season four of Discovery. Now we've got the uh, McDonald's suits and we're ready to go into space. And Burnham's Captain Sucky, what are your hopes? I think, I, well, I'm hoping there'll be uh, maybe. Look, let me see. If we do a story arc, I hope it'll be a better story arc than it has been this year. Because even though it has been enjoyable, I just don't think the burn was that much of a, a gripping thing that was going on. And even though I do like Janet Kidder, the Emerald Chain would have been a they were crap, really. They were really crap. Yeah. Right, so I'm hoping there'll be a better storyline. If it's just going to be Mission of the Week where they're just dropping off the lithium to every planet. Uh, let's hope that there are interesting stories yeah. uh, interestingly told we'll find out Lindsay um, I am hoping for oh, I'm going to go fluffy I want Colbert and Samets to end up with a baby I've got to say this I'm going to say it again I want an actual baby I think it would be adorable I would like generally more character development from the rest of the crew I think yeah, yeah a bit more episodic I think or a longer arc that is not season ending like it's not a, an arc that's specific to the season so think a bit more DS9 I would like to see a bit more kind of overarching plot work I think that would be good cool. uh, John, your aspirations hope for season 4 well you know um, I think we, we were at a good point Right. well I said that last season as well and I was, I've been slightly disappointed with this season uh, after the, the gift of being sent a thousand years in the future so, but now that they're in this sort of, sort of moving out and expanding the Federation again. Yeah, I get the feeling that we'll get a lot more Star Trek-y episodes next time. I think uh, the story arc-wise, if we do get a big one, uh, I would be surprised uh, if it's that massive. I think we will get something that 
sort of mm. connective tissue for the whole season, but I'm I not quite sure how they'll do that. We'll to, see, won't we? To a degree, that this season was kind of like that. It was, you know, quite episodic with this burn theme. But yeah, we'll see. Andrea? Um, I would like some sort of bring back some, some alien species that we've seen before. So I, I'd quite like to know what's happening with the Klingons. I'd quite like to see some Cardassians. Mm. Um, I'd quite like to see Mary Chifo coming back in, in some kind of role. Um, and I'd like to see Prime Locker in a posing pouch. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Not a lot to ask for there. I feel like that Strange New World, if, if anything would suit, Strange New World has it. Uh, yeah, well, uh, what, what Aston, Aston Mount in a posing pouch, probably. That'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? Um, I, my, could I could live yeah, that. I could live Tolerate, yeah. tolerate that. Um, I want to see uh, Burnham because she's the the shift supervisor of the McDonald's space chain um, to to make me a Big Mac, but like you know, with the quarter pounder with cheese, two quarter pounder with cheeseburgers in like a Big Mac form, um, and that's that's all I really want to happen in season four. I mean, it can't happen, but but I just we got real big hankering for a proper Big Mac now. Uh, Bob, I missed the start of that because uh, I received a call and it knocked out my headphones. So I couldn't oh, hear what you were saying. It, it, but from the end of what you said, it sounded like utter bullshit. Yes, it was. It <laughs> so, was. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. I don't think I've missed anything. Have I? No, you did miss nothing. Not really. There's nothing to update you on. Um, no, I just hope it. I just hope it's good. Um, right. Um, so that's us. The end of uh, our season three. We'll be back uh, in a few weeks' time. We'll be doing Lord X, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, and then we'll be entering into the Kelvin timeline movies. Um, not rigidly weekly, but just as and when uh, yes it genuinely has been a pleasure thank you for listening thank you for joining me everyone um, to finish off with I uh, would like to play a little game called um, Guess the Species of the Feces Guess the Species of the Feces <laughs> I don't I don't want to do that live long and prosper everyone goodbye bye bye Horsecock! <laughs> I don't know if they're going to get that in. Yeah. Might have done, John. You might have done. I've lowered the sound sufficiently. Brilliant. Brilliant.